death is often considered one of the worst things that can happen to people, but people are still able to accept it. So how do you think that works? Well, am I allowed to ask questions as well? Sure. Cool. Why, why do you think it's such a scary thing? Or the people, so many people see it as the worst thing to happen? I th well, um, I think a lot of it is mystery. People don't feel like they know what death means, really. And also, uh, people are afraid of losing people that they know and that they like. I think it's true. And it's, it's probably also the fear that, you know, they're, when you lose somebody that's close to you, there's the fear that you're never going to ever see them again. Or yeah. that if you do, they're going to be somehow different. Mm -hmm. And they, they will have changed in a way that you're never going to be able to cope with ever again. I think that's probably pretty true. Um, but then, why we, why we accept it? Now, that's really interesting. It might just be because it's unavoidable. Yeah. But we deal with it because we have to, basically. Yeah. But it might also be because it's built into our something in our nature. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one thing that I do as a missionary, I actually talk about death a lot with people. Not necessarily people that are about to die, but mm -hmm. a lot of the time the question comes up, what happens after we die? Mm-hmm to kind of get away from that unknown aspect. Yeah, and what do you believe about that? So I, I believe that death is unavoidable, but after we die, we just go to a, the next phase, the next step. A place where we continue to learn, a place where we continue to grow. And what I think is really cool is, one of the reasons I think we accept it so well and so easily is really just because it's something that before we were here on the earth, we knew what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. Whether we know it or not consciously, I think subconsciously we just get over it. That's interesting. So, why do you believe that? Which part? That, just, w that we know subconsciously. That's actually a good question. So, you know, there's a, there's a thing we have in our church called not in our church, but a thing we believe in called the light of Christ. And the light of Christ, a lot of people also, you know, call it your conscience, the thing that helps you distinguish between right and what's wrong. Mm -hmm. But I, I also think that it helps us to, you know, innately and by our nature, understand and, and remember things subconsciously and brings some of those things to the conscious level sometimes as well. Okay. So this, this light of Christ was given to us after we were born to help us to remember the things that went on before we were born. Because mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> loving it, nature's awesome. <laughs> so before we were born, you know, the Bible, I love this, this uh, proverb written by Solomon. He says, before ever the world was, I was there. Mm -hmm. you know, before the foundations of the earth, before the trees and the hills and the mountains were formed, I rejoiced with the sons of men in the presence of God. Okay. And what that what that tells me is before we were born, we were we didn't have bodies, of course, but we were with our God mm -hmm. before. And he told us, you know, this is the plan. 
you're going to come down here, you're going to get a body, you're going to be tested, and you won't really remember anything that happened before here. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, afterwards you're going to die. But to help you accept more or less or remember some of the things that happened here, I'm going to give you something called the light of Christ to help you distinguish not only between good and evil, but distinguish between mm -hmm. what's rightly going to happen and what's going to be bad for you to happen. Yeah. So how does the light of Christ compare to the Holy Spirit uh, as Protestant Christians refer to it? That's cool. And uh, they're actually two different things. So, you know, if, I, if it was colder outside, I'd probably have a glove. But I like to think of the light of Christ being like a, like a flashlight that turns on and, you know, for a long period of time and then might switch off a little while or switches off and then turns on because mm -hmm. it helps us distinguish between those good and evil situations, those good and bad. And so it, that's, you know, that's its job. Okay. And the Holy Ghost's job, the Holy Spirit, its job is to direct that light. So after somebody receives or has the Holy Spirit with them, it's like a hand taking hold of that flashlight and shining it at very specific things throughout our entire lives showing us what God needs us to do, showing us which good we should participate in at that moment or later in our lives. Mm -hmm. And so they, they work kind of hand in hand. And one, the flashlight, the light of Christ, prepares us for the moment the Holy Ghost takes over and begins to shine the light where God wants us to go. Okay. What role does the Holy Ghost play exactly? I, it sounds like... Uh sounds like maybe you skimmed over that a little which which makes sense because I didn't yeah. really ask about it specifically but so just what role does the Holy Ghost play in, in yeah. our lives mm -hmm. there's a, a scripture and I you know this is from a scripture in our church from the Book of Mormon but there's a scripture in the Book of Mormon that talks about the Holy Ghost and it, it says that by the power of the Holy Ghost ye may know all things what ye should do. So in other words, you know, the Holy Ghost's job is to help us understand all that we should be doing in our lives. And to understand, all we have to do is ask. Yeah. And to understand what he's saying to us, to hear, to recognize the still small voice like it talks about in the Bible, you just have to be doing the things that allow you to hear him. To follow Christ's commandments. Okay. To... You know, be focusing on the Savior, because when you're focused, like, I'm focusing on you, so I can hear what you're saying. But if I was looking at the water, my ears would be turned towards that, and I wouldn't catch everything you're saying. And it's the same way with the Holy Spirit. Okay. Is that a little Yeah, more that clear? helps. So, um, taking a bit more of a personal turn, have you always believed the way you do now? No. What did you believe before? So it's, it's not so much that I believe differently, because I was, I was born into this church, but I, I just didn't believe myself in all that we taught. I didn't really know anything else, because mm -hmm. I had never, up to that point, gone and sought out any of the churches, because I, you know, I was, I was kind of young, but I still didn't know for myself. Okay. So I just didn't have the belief, I guess, the faith. Okay. So... I'm guessing that you were sort of absorbed, absorbed in it, in the teachings and such, but you didn't, you didn't really accept it. Hadn't really sunk in here yet. Okay. 
And so what made that happen? Just like that scripture says, if you, listen, focus on the Holy Ghost, on the Savior, and you ask, you will know all things what you should do. So there, there came a point in my life where I was on, on the fence, I guess you could say, tipping between two different worlds, one that would lead me a completely different direction than not what I'm doing right now, and the other that would lead me in the direction that I went. Mm-hmm. And so I had to make a choice, and I knew just from the teachings that I had been absorbed in, like you said, that I needed God to help me make the decision. Okay. So I asked, and I focused on Him, and I listened, and the answer I got was you know, what we call a testimony, a, a belief in the things that I now know without a doubt are true. So was that, uh, was that confusing? Was it a confusing decision to make or was it pretty clear to you? It wasn't confusing at all. You know, one of my, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, it talks about, it says the fruits of the Spirit, but it really just means, you know, what the Spirit does. Just like a tree grows a fruit, say an apple, that's the thing that it bears. That's the thing, the effect that mm-hmm. it has. And so what, some of the effects of the Spirit, it talks about in the Bible, are peace, long-suffering, comfort, joy, happiness, patience, humility. So when, when the decision came to be made, it wasn't confusing because the Holy Ghost isn't confusing, and that's not the way Christ works either. Mm-hmm. So how did your life change when you uh, started to accept what you'd been taught? Imagine yourself climbing up Mount Everest in the snow, in the ice, in the cold. You have all the right gear, but you don't really know what's at the top. Mm-hmm. You're just following what others are doing just to do it. You're focused on how much your legs and your arms hurt. You're focused on the, the misery of the cold. And it just seems like it's, it's a miserable climb. And you, you can look up and you can see the rest of the four miles we have to climb straight up. And when I made that decision, the thing that changed was suddenly I understood what was at the top. Mm-hmm. I understood everything that was between me and the top. I knew why I was climbing. I felt like I had a purpose in my life. Yeah. And above all, I felt the Savior kind of guiding me, kind of like a Sherpa does on the way up Mount Everest. Mm-hmm. So if I had known you before and after, uh, how do you think I would describe the difference? I think you'd say I'm much more mellow <laughs> than I was before. I was a bit of a crazy person before all, all the change kind of happened. Just hanging out with the wrong friends, doing that kind of stuff. And I think you'd say my life is a lot more focused and a lot more purpose-driven. Okay. So were you somewhat of a partier before? More or less. Not without the, without the drugs and the alcohol and stuff that you'd see nowadays. But, okay. Yeah. Um, I have a question for you. Sure. Have you ever felt that kind of peace in your life? Something that just says, this is the direction I'm supposed to go. And it wasn't confusing. It wasn't scary. You just felt in the moment that that was right. Yeah, I'd say so. And H- having, finding an, an exact example, uh, 
it's probably not gonna happen. Yeah, but, but you can you can you know it's happened, right? Yeah. And do you remember anything that led up to you feeling that? Um like what you did, what you thought, what you felt. Well, whatever it was, it would have been based on previous experiences and things that I already knew. I think, yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Because a lot of people question the Bible now, especially with like the NIV and ESB and all mm -hmm. these different translations that are coming out. And that's that's part of the reason why we we have uh, another book in addition to the Bible, the, that Book of Mormon. Yeah. Because it was written the same time period, but it's only it's only been translated once, and it's never been rewritten since then. It's never been changed. It's never been you know, whatever the heck you might say. Mm -hmm. And what's really cool, it was it was translated, we believe, by the gift and power of God mm -hmm. directly from the ancient language into English. So how does the book, how does recognizing the Book of Mormon uh, as, I suppose, part of the canon make a difference for you? Because the uh, probably the most common versions of Christianity do not accept the Book of Mormon. That's really true. We get lots of doors slammed in our faces when we say that. <laughs> but to me, you know, if, if I have a board, and this board represents man's interpret the large evangelical Christian world's interpretation of what God wants us to do, who mm -hmm. God is, how He talks to us, anything. And I have the Bible, and the Bible is a nail, represented by a nail. I stick that into the board, and the board can still rotate on that one axis, which means all of our interpretations of what God wants us to do can rotate, because mm -hmm. there was only one witness. But if you have a second witness that's you know, take, taken from a different location, but made by the same person, has the same features, and doesn't say anything that says this nail is stupid or is false and vice versa and you stick that in the board then suddenly that board only has one way for for us to go it has one direction so for me the the book of mormon it doesn't deny or or falsify anything that bible is taught but as long as it's translated correctly mm -hmm. but it acts as something like a stabilizer Something that just adds a second witness to to God's word and provides me with more clarity because the Bible is really okay. confusing <laughs> a lot of places. Yeah. Oh yeah, so it's a little clear. Okay, so have you ever had anybody uh, claim that the Book of Mormon does conflict with the rest of the Bible? Yes. And how do you deal with that? Tell them to do exactly what the Bible tells them to do. You know, it says in James. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Uh, and there's other things that people claim. They say it, it goes against what the Bible says because of the thing in Revelations that says, don't add any more to the book. Mm -hmm. And so we, you know, without arguing or anything like that, we point them towards other places in the Bible where it says, don't add anything to this book. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And since the Bible was not written chronologically, if that's the way they think, then everything after that verse in Deuteronomy is false. So, you know, it's not saying don't add anything else to my word because I'm not talking anymore. Yeah. The, the Bible itself says if all the doings and things that Christ 
had done on the earth were written, I suppose the world could not contain them. So if, if that's true, then we can't just... <laughs> we, can't, we can't just, you know, limit God to a single book with that many words and say that's all he's ever going to give us. Yeah. He's, he says himself, I'm going to continue to reveal my secrets unto the servants of the prophets. And we talk okay. about that in other books as well. So are there any uh, specific uh, things that people have said conflict that you can think of? Uh, most recently, people have said things like, the Book of Mormon doesn't focus on Jesus Christ. It talks about so many other things and has such an interesting and weird story that you you lose Christ, which is should be the focus of your Christianity if you're a Christian. Okay. But what's really interesting is every story that you guys that is in the Book of Mormon, yeah. it's written by people, prophets, just like in the Bible, mm -hmm. and their experiences in life and how they overcame their trials with Jesus Christ. Yeah. And if you analyze every verse in the Book of Mormon, every verse has reference to Jesus Christ. It either says Lord or God or something else. Yeah. Well, I will say that, I mean, that is kind of a silly argument because I've, I mean, I've read the Bible and there are books of the Bible that don't really talk about <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Yeah, for real. It's just kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's one. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Something Meaningful. I firmly believe that what I do helps both those I talk to and those who listen to the podcast or watch the videos. You can help me improve my content and reach more people by donating on my Patreon at Something Meaningful Show, on my Anchor account, by subscribing to my YouTube channel, and by sharing this with your friends. With your help, I want to get this to as many ears as possible. Help someone have a good day and have a good day yourself.